Welcome to the one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to the one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to one on one at Legacy Lake Sports Network. Lawrence Legacy Maker Sports Network. Uh, and of course, you know, everybody's been, you know, at home trying to figure out what to do. But guess what? You know, we still wanted to bring you some uh, in-depth analysis and we got one of the best on our hands today. Uh, my man, Sean Robinson from CBS 6 here in Richmond. Sean, how you doing today, brother? I'm good, man. Taking it one day at a time. How about you? Man, I can't complain, man. Like you said, just taking it one day at a time, just trying to get through smoothly <laughs> yeah, absolutely absolutely now uh sean you just got back you just got back fresh from vacation uh yeah. i know that's got to feel good uh <laughs> but uh let me ask you this i mean you you became a father a couple of months uh almost well, probably about almost nine or eight nine months ago eight months yesterday. he turned eight months yesterday yeah okay. congratulations on that so Thank how's you. fatherhood treating you man how's fatherhood treating you so far it's a whole different world. I, people told me, my mom told me, she was the first one that told me, she said, you will never know your life before you had your baby. And she was exactly right. I was, you know, there are some things that you do remember that you will not forget. And then there are some things that are like a complete blur. And when he was born, it was like most of those things that I felt was important are not nearly as important as they were before. I mean, he is like, you know, that's, that's, I say that's my, that's my dog. I mean, it's like, you know, we'll, you know, I wake up in the morning and I see him in his crib and he'll look at me and start that smile. And it's like, okay, whatever I had at work that was like really frustrating or, you know, I just had less stuff, you know, just woke up on the wrong side of the, you know, wrong side of the bed, just had a, a bad night. And I see him and it's like, it, it erases everything at that point. Total, totally changed my life. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I I got three kids, two girls and a boy. And I, the girls, that you know, I had them first. So mm -hmm. there's nothing. And when, one day when you get a chance and you get that girl, uh, there's nothing like a, a a daughter's love to a father. They treat you like a king. And I remember mm -hmm. every day coming home and the first thing they'd be like, Daddy, they run to the door. And it, it was always something amazing and, and a great feeling. Uh, but like you said, once, you know, when I, first, when I had my son a couple of years ago, I, it was it meant the world to me because it's something I've always wanted. I wanted somebody that I could, you know, I guess you could say groom and teach mm -hmm. you how to be a great uh, man. And, you know, he's a mess, uh, but I love him. He's my mess. And uh, I, I I can truly understand how it feels to have, uh, you know, you know, the child. But wait till they get multiples and they start to just they play yep. off each other. Oh, <laughs> and it's, and it's the, it's the, it's, to me, it's like the little things. It's like my wife will hold him. And then if I come in from work, she will say, daddy's home. And then like, he'll see me and he'll kind of reach out, like wanting me to hold him. It's like, I really don't have to say much. He'll smile and reach out and hold me. And he'll say, reach out and hold me. Like um, we were on vacation. We were watching like some of the old football games that Fox would show. 
and he'll sit on my lap and he'll and his eyes are like glued to the television. And it's like, oh man, it's like right when you were born. First, the the first uh, when he was a day old, it was a Thursday night game, Eagles Packers, and I told my wife, I said, we gotta watch this game. I was like, I gotta groom him. To- <laughs> gotta get him in. He probably doesn't even remember, but it's like I'm holding him, and we're like in the hospital room watching that Thursday night game, and I'm I'm getting the feeling like every time there's like a football game or there's a sporting event, or even if I'm on TV, it's like his head is like it'll go from one side directly to that television and we'll just pay attention for, you know, two, three minutes, five minutes or whatever time we are, we are together. And it's almost like he remembers that night to a certain degree. He probably doesn't, but just he remembers that feeling of me wanting to watch a sporting event with him. And he's like, just as, you know, ingrained into that image of wanting to watch a sporting event with his dad. I'm like, that's like, I'm, over I'm like over the moon when I see that. I'm like, when he gets a year or two old and we watch a Sunday football, I'm like, it'll be like, we'll be having, be having hey, that play. Ain't nothing like planting that seed. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm still kind of working on my son a little bit. You know, football, you know, he, we got him now football a little bit. Yeah. He'll come in and watch it with me. But wrestling, which we'll get to a little bit later, is where yeah. I'm still trying to work with him all. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm, 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 I'm slowly but surely. We got to get to, you know, when he gets to a year and kind of really, you know, vividly see the images. And I'm like, okay, now we, you know, this is the old school stuff. You know, we'll get you with the new school. But this is this is what I grew up. This is the bread and butter right here. <laughs> yes. But this is my stuff. I can teach you some stuff with that. Yeah. So how has uh, life been for you with everything going with COVID? How, how have you have adjusted? How have your family adjusted? How's work? How's all that uh, kind of gone for you uh, since uh, everything is uh, went down? We touched on it briefly before we started the interview, and I even mentioned it with uh, Kyle Laletta, former Spiders quarterback. I did a Zoom interview with him yesterday. Um, you know, the pandemic is a, you know, an awful situation that our country is dealing with. But in a weird sort of way, it was a blessing in disguise for me, you know, having becoming a new father. Um, you know, we got called off the road uh, during the ACC and A-10 men's basketball tournament. You know, I'm in Greensboro, Lane Casadante, my sports director at CBS 6. He's in uh, Brooklyn for the A-10 tournament. And we get a call from our, sport, our news director saying, hey, you know, we want you guys both off the road. We want you you know, close to home as, as quickly as you can, not, you know, speed or anything like that, but we just want you home safe and get away from being, you know, four hours and three hours and six hours away from home. You know, we didn't cover a sporting event since March. And if the basketball, you know, NCAA basketball tournament was still going on, you know, I'm on the road. I'm in Greensboro. I'm at another event. I'm not with, you know, with my family, with my son, my wife at that particular point. So, spending more time with them um, that I would not have if the pandemic didn't take place in March and April. Um, work is a little different. You know, we mentioned it. We were, we're relying heavily on social media, Zoom, FaceTime, um, any, you know, uh, virtual type of interview um, product that we can get our hands on, we have to use that. Now we still go out and do our interviews face-to-face in person um, if that subject is comfortable doing it. Otherwise, you know, out of the, you know, out of the state, you know, we're on Zoom, we're emailing those invites. Hey guys, you know, we need to do this. I mean, I've spoken, like I said, I spoke to Kyle Laletta yesterday. I interviewed um, Dave Sims, uh, play-by-play voice, TV play-by-play voice of the Seattle Mariners. 
a few weeks ago. Um, I interviewed Eric Jones Sunday, the NASCAR driver. Um, you know, guys from the area, coaches, athletic directors. I mean, this is now going to be our new normal, you know, moving forward, even after this pandemic has kind of like subsided. We're going to get so comfortable doing this. You know, we could talk to a guy, you know, thousands of miles away from us. Like if we want to do this story, you know, we've got now this avenue of, oh, we can go do it on Zoom. We can just pull Zoom up and just pull some video from YouTube or have them send us the, the video or B-roll or file video. Uh, but we have this avenue, this new avenue that we probably weren't going to use before the pandemic. Now this is kind of like our going to be our new normal. And we've been using that basically ever since the pandemic started in March. And we've just been rolling on ever since. We have not missed one sports cast since the pandemic. Either Lane or I have done a sports cast every night since the pandemic started, whether it's been on remote or in the studio or in our office. You know, other stations, other, you know, guys, other departments, they have uh, decided to move them to news or furlough. Unfortunately, uh, we've been blessed to, you know, cover any and everything that we can. And our news director and general manager has given us the, the, I guess, the leash to stay with sports as opposed to moving us to news, which has been a good thing. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a phenomenal thing that you're still able to get to, to do your passion and keep things rocking and rolling on that end. So that, that, that's a good deal there. Um, uh, let me ask you this. Now, you've been... 12 years, if I'm not, if I'm uh, correct, 12 years at CBS 6. And yeah, finally, 12, 12, years in August. 12 years in August, finally, <laughs> finally, you have been nominated for yeah. two, not one, but two uh, Capital <laughs> Emmys. Uh, congratulations on that. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, those projects uh, that got you the nominations? Sure. Oh, thank you uh, for the, uh, the compliment with that. I, I greatly appreciate it, AJ. Took me by surprise a little bit. A quick story, I got to mention this. Um, somebody asked me, like, how did you find out about it? And I told him I found out on Twitter. Um, I was watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire <laughs> with my wife. <laughs> and I get a notification on my phone. And I look at it. And it's a, um, a sports producer in D.C. who I've known for a few years. And it says, congratulations to my man, CBS 6 Sports, Sean. And I look at it, and I'm like, you know, I, I ain't going to repeat the, you know, FCC guidelines won't allow me to repeat <laughs> what I said. But I look at it, and I'm like, oh, you know, and my wife looks at me, and she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, you know, I kind of looked at her for a few seconds. She was like, what is wrong? And I said, I got nominated for an Emmy. And she was like, are you serious? I was like, yeah. Um, so one of them was for the, um, we did a, a special called The Road to Redemption. The, uh, the story of UVA's run to their first college basketball national championship. So we did this uh, over, I think, a two or three day span in Minneapolis. We, we recapped their final four win against Auburn and their national championship win against Texas Tech. So that was one of them. Um, it was me and we, it was a boatload of people, but it's a selective process. You know, if, if your television station doesn't submit it on your behalf. You then have right. to add your name to that submission and then pay for it. Well, it's up to that person, reporter, producer, anchor, or whoever. They, it's up to them on whether or not they want to pay for their name to be on the submission. So 
for this one was three of us. It was me, um, Scott Wise, who was a producer, and our, our producer director for marketing, David Stotts. We put our names on it and said, let's give it a shot and see what happens. Um, so it was, like I said, the, the, that final four run for UVA covering their wins over Auburn and uh, Texas Tech. And the second one was our Sunday night newscast that recapped the Super Bowl in Atlanta when New England beat, uh, I'm sorry, when New England beat St. Louis. I was going to say um, beat the Rams. I'm sorry, the L.A. Rams. It's going back to Kurt Warner looking at those <laughs> documentaries. Uh, when New England beat the L.A. Rams in Atlanta. And it was the same weekend of the blackface controversy with Governor Ralph Northam. So we had uh, complete coverage of that back in Richmond. And then we had coverage of the Super Bowl in Atlanta. Um, Lane, myself, Greg McQuaid, uh, Vernon Freeman, who did the web, Chris Norton, who was a photographer, and Brad Wilson, who also was a photographer. And it was the same, you know, thing. Whoever wants to add their name, pay the fee, yada, yada, yada. And so that was also nominated um, for an Emmy for that, uh, for that category. So those two uh, stories or newscasts um, was nominated for. So we'll see August 8th is the, is the date of the Emmy um, ceremony. I don't know if it's going to be live, like we're going to physically go to D.C. or if it'll be a virtual ceremony. But we'll, f- we'll find out August 8th whether or not I'll put some babies behind me. <laughs> I was just about to say, it looks like you got to, you might be able to slide the books to the yeah. left a little bit and, you know, put it right there, you know, put one side, the, put one side the, uh, the WCW world title belt and then the, uh, the other awards I got. I can, I can oh yeah, most, most definitely. It, it'll look really <laughs> nice right there. <laughs> now, speaking of UVA, now, you, you know, you were there when, when UVA had a chance to cut down the nets and, yeah. you know, being able to cover UVA has been, you know, a blessing in disguise over here in the last uh, two years. And for you, how did it feel being there? Um, and what has that title win done for, you know, the area itself, uh, you know, as a sports area? Because a lot of people see Virginia and they say, well, they got some good athletes in the Tidewater area. You get a couple people in the central area every now and then. But nobody really looks at our teams college-wise and said man those teams are phenomenal you know tech got a little love uh back mm-hmm. in the early 2000s but finally you know virginia wins this national championship and now you know we get looked at just a little bit different how do you think that changed and how was your experience there i mean the, the experience was phenomenal i mean I, I i had covered a final four before with vcu but i never got to see it all the way um this experience was like I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it was like that. Th- we, we talked about it after they won it. It was, I mean, this is the perfect 30 for 30 story that ESPN could do. I mean, I was there in 2018 um, when UVA lost to UMBC in Charlotte. Um, was there for that, uh, you know, for that historic loss. And then to turn around a year later and for them to start their run basically in that same building because the ACC tournament the following year was in Charlotte. So there was that big storyline. You're coming back to the House of Horrors, Horrors that ended your year. They made it to the conference semifinals, lost it, but it gained a lot of confidence from that loss to Florida State. And we were just going to wonder, you know, once you step on that floor, you know, all eyes are going to be on UVA. And just to see how they handle 
the pressure from the Gardner-Webb game when they trailed by double figures in the first half um, to then the Purdue game when, you know, there was like, oh, here we go again. We're going to lose in the Elite Eight again. And then the Diakite <laughs> play to the Auburn play. I mean, it's like it was amazing. And then to um, follow Jason Williford, who is the, uh, the associate head coach at UVA, he played his high school basketball at John Marshall in the area. And we had this little thing that before and after every game, he and I would do an interview. So he walks in to uh, was it, uh, U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, walks in for the national, <clears throat> excuse me, for the national championship game. And we're walking down the hallway and I looked at him. I was like, don't forget, win or lose, you, I, I got you after the game, right? And he said, we're going to talk about a win. I was like, okay, we're going to still keep the tradition going, right? Soon as I walk in the locker room after they win, first place I go is to this um, little door in the locker room where all the coaches would be after the game. And I knock on the door and uh, the um, equipment manager comes out. And I was like, uh, is Williford in, the, in there? He was like, sure. He comes out and he looks at me, gives me this, this hug. And, um, and, it's, and it was just to see his face being a former player and being in the Elite Eight at 95 on that team. And like I said, just following his journey to this point, being a local guy. And it was, it was just, it was one of the coolest things I ever got to do. And like I said, just to, to, to see those guys handle that huge and bright spotlight of being the team that everybody will remember of being the number one seed, the only number one seed to lose to a 16 and to turn around in a, in a year and win the national championship and to follow that run from the conference tournament all the way to the national championship. I mean, I would, that is something I will never, ever forget. And just to see them cut the nets and like I said, see Williford, see Bennett and his emotion overflowing from beating Purdue to slapping that sticker on the, uh, yeah. on that final, on that final four um, bracket. I was like, it's, it's amazing. Like I said, it's something I will never, ever forget. Now uh, you you talking about um, local stars with Williford, but let, let's talk about a local star, another local star who just got drafted uh, into the WNBA, and, and Megan Walker. And you had a great uh, sit down with her a couple of weeks ago, and you know, I had a chance to cover uh, some of her teammates at University of Richmond uh, mm -hmm. with the Parsons sisters, and still covering them a little bit, and you know. Looking at what Walker has done in her first, you know, her three years at uh, UConn, making the leap to the WNBA. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, you know, haven't done that. I think Candace Parker may be one person that's done it. Um, you know, what are your thoughts after having that chance to sit down with her uh, on her readiness uh, for the WNBA and, and just her mentality? What do you what do you think of Megan Walker after your chance to sit down with her and, and, and conversate? She's, um, she's one of the few athletes that I think has handled the pressure of being the number one athlete or the number one athlete in her school, on her team, the number one recruit in the country. She's handled it with class. Uh, she's handled it like a pro. You know, she, she goes about her business. She doesn't let things, she doesn't take things too seriously. She knows what she has to do, but she has fun doing it. But she also understands the goal to to accomplish. Uh, she did it at Monaghan, three state straight state championships. Um, 
she did it at UConn, you know, leading score last year, uh, was regular season um, player of the year, tournament MVP at the American Athletic Conference, um, first player ever to leave UConn after her junior season, with played three years, decided to leave, only player to ever to do that. Um, she's one person that I will never doubt because I think a lot of people doubted her leaving UConn as to why would you leave? You know, you got, you know, you'll be again, the number one player on the team. You have some great players coming back. Why would you leave? And I think that might have fueled her to say, you know what? I have a, I have a dream. I've been wanting this since I've been a little kid. No better time to accomplish my dream than the present, you know, top 10 pick. Um, she's going to a major market in New York. Um, she'll have more opportunities both on the court and off the court going to that situation. Um, it would not shock me that she would succeed um, in New York. She's got a lot of talent there. Sabrina Inescu, Player of the Year, National Player of the Year. She worked out with her uh, in Los Angeles and then I think in Vegas. They both uh, spoke with Kobe. Um, she's got that Kobe mentality in her that if, if you need me to take over, I will. Um, I think she's got a little bit of that dog in her where um, um, I've seen that against Kings Fork, her final game in Monacan, where she scored, I think, the last, see, the 14 or 16 points for Monacan. She doesn't have to do it, but if you need her to do it, she can do it. She has shown she can do it. Um, so it would not shock me if she went there and became, you know, a multi-time all-star, um, you know, first-team defensive player, leads the team um, in scoring. She probably won't lead a rebounding and assists because Anesca would take care of that. Uh, but she's going to be one of those players that, you know, you're going to have to – you're going to build that team around. You see Anesca, you see Megan, you see Willoughby from out of UVA. Those, to me, that can be your nucleus along with the players that are returning uh, for the Liberty. So I think – you know, I, I would not doubt Megan Walker at all because I think if she puts her mind to it and, and, and she almost got a little bit of Jordan in her, you know, don't tell her she can't do it because she's going to prove to you that she can. And she will, she will use anything she, she needs or, or deems necessary to motivate her to get it done. And I think she will. I think the Liberty had a phenomenal draft. I mean, you get three, was it three of the top 10 picks? And you talked about yeah. Willoughby from and traded uh, up. They traded up to get uh, Megan, right? And so, and they, and I know I, I heard a little bit with you when you was talking to you that she, that they, New York, kind of told her that they wanted her. Yeah, and they and they did yeah. whatever they, whatever they needed to do. And like I said, they did a really good job in that draft. It may not be right away, but the Liberty could be something to watch out here in the next couple of years. Um, now, uh, you've been like I said, we talked about you being at CBS six for twelve years. What is your favorite moment? Uh, sports moment that you had uh, at CBS Six. Wow, tough one. Uh, <laughs> just one. I mean, my gut will say, as a Redskins fan, the year they they won the division with RG three, and it was my first time seeing a playoff game live when they play Seattle, albeit you know that basically was the game that basically ended RG3 career in Washington. But, you know, I'm in the press box. That was a time we couldn't shoot on the field. 
um, you know, the local media couldn't shoot on the field. It's primarily for the national guys. So we're in the press box and I'm like sitting around looking at people who I've seen on TV and, you know, watching the field. And I'm like, I'll be damned. I mean, you know, risking fan for God knows how long. And I'm sitting in the press box of a playoff game, seeing my favorite team play the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, Collegia standout, Michael Robinson, Verona standout, Cam Chancellor, Tech grad. I mean, you got a lot of local connections on these teams. And I'm like, guy, guy, one of the best seats in the house to watch this. And then three years later, they do it again. They win the division. I get to go to the playoff game against Green Bay, your team. Um, (laughs) And I'm on the field. I mean, this time I'm like, I'm on the field. I'm feeling the energy of the crowd. You know, they jump out to the lead early. Um, they do come back and lose Green Bay. Great performance by Aaron Rodgers that game. But just to be on the sideline, it was t- it was a totally different feel. Being on the sideline, shooting that game, and like I said, feeling that energy from the crowd, you know, dying to win a playoff game for the first time since 2005, and they come up short. But just being on the field and, you know, talking to Morgan uh, before the game and, you know, you know, looking at the guys and seeing their body language and looking at their eyes. And it's like, again, I'm getting paid for this. Dick Vitale always says, like, stealing money. But it's like, my favorite team is on this field, and I'm getting ready to work shooting an NF, you know, <laughs> NFC. Yeah. I mean, it was work for three hours because it right. was cold. But I'm just saying, but still, you know, like I said, being a diehard Redskins fan, and I'm like, you know, the two times, the last two times they made it to the playoffs, I got to see with my own eyes in that stadium as opposed to sitting at home watching TV. I mean, I mean, for, for me being a diehard Redskins fan, I mean, I wouldn't trade that for nothing in the world other than the win that they should have right. got. But, you know, <laughs> and both, and both games, they had leads, double digit leads and both games they lost it, but you know, neither here nor there. I mean, the two final four runs that I got to cover with VCU and UVA, um, trying to think of some other ones. Um, man, I mean, probably, the, like I said, we talked about the Megan Walker game. You know, the high school, you know, covering a high school state final, and they probably, people would think, man, that's not really something. But it's like, you know, that game between Monica and King Ford, it was sold out at the Siegel Center. 7,600 people came to see a girls' state final because of Megan Walker, you know. And Gino is in the, uh, in the suites looking down to see his number one recruit play her final game in high school. I mean, stuff like that. Um, The run that John Marshall has had in basketball, the run in football. I mean, I covered, you know, there was a stretch I've covered, I think six straight state championship finals that were winners. I mean, I did the bird, the bird, uh, birds last two Highland Springs first two. I did a, um, hold up, it was four. Um, then I did a hot, the last Highland Spring State title. So that's five. I'm trying to think of the other one. Um, Hopewell's State Championship um, win. Um, hmm. And I covered the Dinwiddie game, even though they lost at their state final. So it was like every year for like six or seven years straight, you know, you got to, to see them run all the way out from the, from the first game on to the state championship game. But, I mean, you put a gun to my head and said which one I would 
pick the most, I probably would say the Redskins playoff games just because 30 plus years, you know, being a diehard fan and to actually see them get there and play well for a quarter or a half, but to see them live and in person play in a postseason game was, you know, was, was great. Yeah. I, I, I got to concur a little bit, you know, the Redskins, uh, you know, probably the first time I got to see uh, Green Bay play with well, the first game I actually got to cover was Green Bay and uh, the Redskins in a preseason game three years ago. Um, and, you know, since that time, you know, the honor of covering a, a Cam Newton, uh, you know, uh, they've had some really good quarterbacks come in in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. They had Matt Ryan. Tom Brady was there last year. That was an honor, um, you know, to to be able to to even share a, a room with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to say, I'm standing right here in front of, you know, the two of the greatest, you know, people in the NFL's history, greatest quarterback in most people's eyes, greatest coach in most people's eyes. So, you know, you get a chance to look for those moments and you, in this, like you said, you're doing it and you're, it's like you're getting paid to do what? Like, this is, yeah. this is, this is it for me, you know? I mean, so. you mentioned the Patriots. They were in Richmond for the joint practices a few years ago. And, you know, they're walking down that, that strip, you know, from the training facility to the field. Right. Walk right past me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm literally shoulder to shoulder to Bill Belichick. He walks right past me. I'm in the press room with Bill Belichick. You know, doing the press conference, Tom Brady throwing the football on the other field, and I'm shooting him. I'm like, you know, thinking to myself, I'm never going to see Tom Brady in person. <laughs> okay, and I get this. And, and there he is. <laughs> yeah, he's right there at the practice. Uh, JJ Watt, you know, the year after the Houston Texans was there. I get to see Watt in person. You know, um, that was, I guess, also maybe a come out party for Hopkins. He had that little tiff with D'Angelo Hall on <laughs> yeah. that field, and I'm right there. Um, the, uh, I mean, just, I mean, there are so many over, you know, a decade plus at CBS six. I mean, my first NCAA tournament, you know, I had, I had gone to a women's NCAA tournament, but I had never done a men's NCAA tournament first year, you know, VCU and uh, UCLA up in, uh, at the, uh, was at the Wachovia center. I think at the time they had just moved out of the spectrum. Um, so I got to see Eric Maynard's last game in a VCU uniform. They lost by a point there. Like I said, the, the VCU run of the Final Four started in Dayton, goes to Chicago, San Antonio, and then to Houston, and then UVA's run. Uh, like I said, I remember the city. We started, like I said, ACC was in Charlotte, then it was in Columbia, Louisville, and then, uh, and then Minneapolis. So, you know, there's, there's like a boatload. I mean, like I said, a boatload. There's so many. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can go pro, you can go college, you can go high school. You know, but like I said, some of the some of the some of the best moments I've I've been a part of have been some high school, you know, state championship games, state semifinal games. It's like there's there's I still say there ain't nothing like going to a high school football game on a Friday night or a Saturday. Exactly. With a, with a title on the line. And you see these kids work their butts off and the coaches crying like babies and you see the crowd just I mean, it's it's nothing. It's nothing like it. I, I, I probably said that a lot, but it's it's. Truly, it's nothing like seeing well, those guys. It's it's at its purest form, you know. Like yeah. you know, you can you know once it gets a little bit higher, you know, the money starts kicking in. And in college, there's the debate yeah. over money, and then but in high school, that is the purest form. You get to see a community come together and mm-hmm. see their their the kids out of their community make something big happen. So I I definitely agree. You know, twenty years in Amelia, calling those games, I can tell you, you know, we've we've had two chances that we this close. To, I, to was at the last one. I was at the last <laughs> one. The last one. 
the playoff game. No, the playoff game. That was my first time ever going to. A, I'm sorry. Was it a playoff game? Or was yeah, it, man, it was. It was probably was it the Amelia Goochland game? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was. A, it was, it was, felt like a playoff game because if Goochland won, they were going to be the one seed. And if Amelia yeah. won, they were the one seed. It was. It was right. crazy. So it, was it was basically a playoff. That was my first time going. It was like my. It was. I'll never forget that day. It was like I shot six games, college and pro, that day, and it ended. Um, in fact, Amelia was not even the last uh, game I went to. The last game I went to was Dale and Prince George that night because they had moved it. I think it was either rain or uh, or SAT testing. I started at TJ. Then I went to, it was TJ, Union, Holland Springs, Verina was that night, was that afternoon because they switched. Uh, oh, wait a minute. It was, uh, oh, now I remember, I'm missing. I'm missing <laughs> Oh, no, it was Collegiate. I said, I'm sorry. I started Collegiate, TJ, Union State, um, Holland Springs, Verina, Amelia, Goochland, and I ended with TJ and Amherst um, George. Running. So I started, I started a Gooch, uh, Collegiate and ended. So I'm going all over the place. But I got to see, like, it was, I think, Collegiate St. Chris. So that was a big robbery between mm-hmm. them. Um forgot who TJ played that day. I don't think they had a robbery game, but it was like five, four robbery games that day. Union State and then Holland Springs, Marina, Amelia Gucci, big robbery, and uh, Collegia St. Chris, prep robbery. Um, so it's like, like I said, it's, you know, those type of games is like, those, like certain memories of certain days you can like, they stand out. It's like, so yeah. Oh, man, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely been, uh, you know, tough, Tough battles between Amelia and Goochland. I it's never it never goes in Amelia's favor. It seems like I maybe maybe one day maybe one day you know, but now I think Goochland's moving up into uh, the the region three now. So I guess we'll see how that goes. I think they'll still oh, Amelia is at three now. Well, uh, Goochland's moving up to three. Amelia's gonna stay at two, but I think they're gonna. Okay. I think it's one more year before Goochland's completely up there. But at the playoffs, the Goochland can't play Amelia in the playoffs anymore. They can still play them during the regular season, but not in the right. playoffs anymore. Right. They changed that stuff Goochland, Goochland so was, much. Goochland took Hopewell to the limit. They were probably the, the, the closest team to knocking off Hopewell in the postseason last year. Lost only a, it was, I think it was a touchdown, but they went right back and forth. With Hopewell. That was another one. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a state final, but, you know, that game went back and forth. And then Trey Henderson takes over in the, uh, in the so, second half. So, I mean, stuff like that. Ohio State's getting themselves uh, quite the piece. <laughs> kind of stunned me that he was going to Ohio State, but just looking at his, looking at his film from last year and just like I told people, I, um, two of the coaches from UVA were at his, I think his first playoff game last year, the offensive coordinator and the running back coach. And they looked at me and it was like, um, we were talking about him and Tyree. And like, who do you think would be the, you know, who do you pick? And I'm like, to me, you go with Henderson just because of durability. Right. He, you know, the uh, Shannon Sharp says the best ability is availability. And Henderson has shown he's more durable than Tyree. No Dame is going to get a stud and right. put him in that, in the right position. He's going to be a stud at Notre Dame, but he's never played a full season at Thomas Dale. I say that, that, yeah, that, that's the type of stuff you got to watch out for. Yeah. Henderson has played a full season. He's, he's shown that he can play between the tackles. He's shown he can play on both sides and special teams, um, like Tyree. But again, like I said, that durability issue is going to be a concern. And the fact that 
when you see Henderson in the open field, there has been rarely, if any, a time he has been caught from behind. I covered, I think, seven or eight Hopewell games last year, and I don't think there was one time when he got into the open field right. that nobody caught him from behind. Yeah, I can't he's wait a, to see. He's a bad boy. And yeah. that backfield is going to be loaded with him. Um, I forget the other kid that's coming back um, for him. And then they get Eric McDaniels, a transfer from him, Ryko, that's going to be down there. They got a three-headed mile, almost like last year's team. Um, it would not surprise me that they, if they don't run the table again next year. They, I mean, they they missing some key parts on the defensive side, but you got three studs that each could run for over 1,000 yards on you know any given year any three you know can be a start at any other school and they're all gonna be in that ricky Irving, i'm telling you what he won't admit it, he's got a lot of pressure on him again this year they already yeah, won the state he, he has to he has to be i mean yeah. with with that much talent at running back uh the expectations are going to be uh a big yeah. but i think you know you know he's the type of coach that i feel like can can put those guys and, and get put them in oh, the right yeah. situations to push through oh, yeah. so but yeah, Hopewell's going to be another stud this year. I, I can't yeah. wait to see how they um, roll. So hope, hopefully we get a chance to go out there and catch a couple of games ourselves. Uh, now, we're going to um, – we're here at the end. But <laughs> you know that we couldn't go, you know, because, you know, when I first you know, I first got an opportunity to meet you uh, probably a couple of years ago in VCU's uh, press room, yeah. you know, we started talking about wrestling and, you know, who's the greatest of all time and – you know, just a back and forth debate. And my man Rob, which I know he still says AJ Styles is the greatest of all time, but we're not going to let that ruin a great interview. <laughs> we're not going to let that ruin a great interview. Okay, if he still thinks AJ is, is still the greatest, but I, I digress. Like, I, I'm, I'm also digress on that one as well. <laughs> now, uh, so I, I want to hear from you, your top five wrestlers uh, of all time. I see you got that WCW championship in the back. You know, I got a I got a little baby of my own. It's not my yeah. favorite belt because my one that I really want to get, the real the one oh, that I I got the spinner belt. belt. I got the spinner belt. That's what that's one of my babies. But Is the one I really did, want. What did you get that from somewhere else? I oh, actually um I got that at WrestleMania um one year. Yeah. Okay. Went to, well, went you to went to a, you've been to a WrestleMania. I've been to WrestleMania twice, thirty three oh, and wow. thirty four. Yeah, that's you have to go at least once, even if. Not for the wrestling, because some of the WrestleMania matches the last couple of years have been eh. But if yeah. you, just as a fan experience, it is amazing. Well, I can it imagine. Is, it's absolutely amazing. I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, you're just walking down the street. When we were in New Orleans, and every time you turn around the corner, there was somebody there. Um, I remember, um, oh, what's my man name for Navad Villains? Uh, um, oh, yeah. Uh, Simon Gotch. We were walking back from the Superdome after NXT, and Gotch, is is on the street. I'm not gonna say he was inebriated, but he seemed like he had maybe a drink or so. And he, he goes into this thing about John Cena and about and it was just a we got it on tape. It was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but he went on in this thing about John Cena, and it was it was kind of weird. But it was like, oh, okay, thank you, Simon. That was uh, really appreciated. But yeah, you saw everybody. Wrestling was on the street corner. We saw uh, David Otunga was at CVS getting. I don't know what he was getting, but he was at CVS getting stuff. We saw. Velveteen Dream on on Bourbon Street. And then you had, um, I can't even think of, uh, that's my man's name, Elias. Elias was had his big concert at one of the bars right there, just a prompt-to one. So it was was amazing. And just being around that many wrestling fans, it was, you got to do it at least once. I don't know how Uh, you make it happen. happen. 
I'm going to save some money because that's, yeah, that's a lot of money to get down there. It is. It, I'll, I'll tell you what. We spent – it was around 1000 Um, And that included all of the – it included Hall of Fame, WrestleMania, and it also included the NXT show, um, you know, for that weekend and hotel stay. The only thing we had to pay extra was the hotel. I mean, uh, was the uh, plane. Uh, so getting the getting the flight out there was the biggest thing. But they they asked them if you catch them early, you can catch oh, a decent yeah. package. But yeah, let's cool. get to it. Give me your top five wrestlers of all time. I'll give you mine. I I know you're gonna laugh at me, but I I got a reasoning behind mine. Now, are we doing this based on? Let's say I was thinking about this. So are we doing this based on? Technical skill in the ring, promo work, drawing money. I mean, because I mean, if, if 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 we're doing it on like one of the three, the list will be different. Now, if we're doing it on, that's that's what I was thinking too. Because I was like, all right, well, mentally, I was thinking all right, there. I all right. So my my personal list is based okay. off of my personal list is based off of kind of like a over. I, I like guys with. It's going to sound crazy, but I love the music. I think the music does take a part of it. Charisma. And mm. I, I, I'm a huge heel guy, so some of it has to do with being a good heel as well. Uh, right. So I, those are like my criteria for my favorite ones. But then I have a separate list for who I think, if you look at all wrestlers and say, okay, who changed the business? Who's your overall you know, greatest wrestler? Uh, then I have a list for that. But I'll let you we – we'll just do it to keep it you know, simple. Just give me your five overall – uh, All right, I, I, will, I will categorize it based on the three that I mentioned. Um, the ability in the ring, the promo work, and drawing money. So if you're going to do that, to me, I mean, no particular order, but I'm going to say Ric Flair, obviously, number one, because he can handle all three. Right. Um, you got to put Hogan up there because he was able to bring in money in two, di- well, really three different organizations. Um, WWF, WCW, and also TNA for a while. Mm-hmm. AWA, he was starting to build, but he wasn't the guy in the AWA. At least with Flair, he he's done it longer. He's done it over different territories. He did it not only in the territory days, but he also did it in the Monday Night War days when it was strictly cable. Um, you got to put, to me, in the latter part of his career, I would say Stone Cold because he had the ability to talk the people into the arena. Uh, from what they were saying, he was the biggest draw over Hogan before Cena did it. Um, he was the guy. I mean, basically every pay-per-view, you know, he, had the, he has the, the luxury and the benefit of blowing up at a time where the pay-per-views were coming every month. Right. You know, so people were coming every month and spending, you know, $50, $60 to see, you know, Stone Cold against, you know, Vince. You know, perfect heel against the perfect face at the perfect time. Um, If Flair, I think if Flair's prime was now in those 90s and stuff like that, he probably would bring in the most money at that point. Um. So I would say those would be three. Um, I would have to say Dusty. You know, he te- he wasn't technically sound, but he he had that he had that it factor in the ring. You know, he had you know he didn't have the look, but he had that it factor. 
he could talk his butt off, no question. You know, the son of a plumber, um, wine and dine with kings and queens, slepping alley, eating pork and beans. Um, he brought in money. He brought in money. He was, he was like that first, one of the first national stars. You know, he started in Florida. Well, I actually started in AWA. But his, his home and where he made his career was Florida. But then he would go to the WWF and work against superstar Billy Graham in New York. Uh, he would go to Japan. Um, he would come back to Florida, then go to Crockett, then goes to WWE, then starts his own company. Um, so that would be four. Um, and the fifth one, I mean, I mean, you could debate it. You could say what The Rock did because he had that ability to talk. Right. He had a lot, a lot of, he made some money. Um, I mean, could you, I mean, I would say The Horseman, but that's a group, so I'm not going to throw that in there. Because <laughs> they made a lot of money and they made a lot of people look really, really good. And that's, to me, another attribute to being in that category. Hogan not always made a lot of guys look good, but he made those guys make, get money. When you were in that, that spot with Hogan, you knew you were going to get a big paycheck. Same thing with Flair. When you were in that spot, you knew you were going to make a lot of money. You knew he was going to make you look good, and that was going to be the start of your career. Now, what you do after that is on you. But Flair made a lot of careers. He did. During he, did. he did. He um, did. So I'm going to say a guy that kind of fits that mode would be Harley. Harley Race. He made a lot of guys. He, you know, he had that great rivalry with the Funks. The great rivalry with Dusty. Um, the rivalry in the late seventies into the mid eighties with Flair. Um, he would travel. You know, he was one of those last traveling champs. You know, Flair was the last one, one of the last ones. But you know, Harley was that guy. That you know, I'm a, you're gonna make money with him in, in Missouri, Georgia, Florida, the Carolinas. He would go to Japan, um, but he also made a lot of guys too. And not only was he a great singles wrestler, great tag team wrestler, great manager, he was a great talker, he wasn't a shouter. Um, but he got us, he was kind of like he was the he was on to me, he was Arn Anderson before Arn Anderson because Arn would. You know, Flair would go crazy. JJ kind of would go a little crazy. Tully may do it, but then Arn would put it all together in one little package. Wouldn't raise his voice a lot, but <laughs> you look dead in the camera, and you had that feel that if you did him wrong, you were going to pay for it. Man, Somehow, I, some way. And Arn Anderson promo is a promo. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, re I can't remember the one in particular, but Watching, I, I forgot which one it was. The, I think it was the my spot one when he uh, was telling uh -huh. um, Mr. Perfect he was giving him his spot, and I just sit here and I was like, man, he's making this so believable right now. Like mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just soaked into it. I love listening. I can go and just if they had, I'm pretty sure they have it on YouTube. But I go on YouTube and hit play and just listen mm -hmm. to Arn Anderson talk, and I'm like, yeah, Arn, you tell him, <laughs> you tell him. Arn. There was, there's one promo out there. There's one on the. Um, it was either the Four Horsemen DVD or the Ric Flair DVD. It might have been the Four Horsemen DVD. And it's something that I, I used 
to this day, even at Channel 6, and I always say, um, uh, he said, uh, being a horseman is not something you wake up in the morning and take off at night. It's a state of mind. Yeah. It's a state of mind is, is being the best that you can possibly be. And he said, it's four individuals thinking singularly, acting collectively for the greater good. And I mean, you could use that at any company. Yeah, right. It's like, it's like a, it's like a motivational tool. And, and Tully said the same, Tully would say the same thing. He said, be whatever you want, but be the best at it. And, and Arn, when he, when he said that, I rewound it and I listened to it again. And he was like, it's four individuals thinking singularly, but acting collectively. And I like, and I, when I first went to channel six, I'm like, God, it's like 50 some odd people acting singularly but working collectively for the common goal. And I'm like, damn, that's Arn Anderson. I'm like, that just, that's, I just thought about that, like, that's the promo. I mean, you can use it in your everyday life or your, you know, whatever business that you work in. If you're working with a group, that's like, that's like your, your, your slogan. We're X amount of people, think, we're, we're, we're thinking singularly, but acting collectively for the common goal. And I'm like, so if it was just promos, if it's just, you know, a list of promo, ours at the near the top. Yeah. I, I think it gets tough because you get throw Jake the Snake in there too. And I'm like, Jake in there yeah, too. It's, it's, that's why I say like, it's tough because you're right. It, you kind of, you break it down by categories. It starts to get a little bit like, oh yeah. man, this is going to be rough. Because there's a lot of people that can do it in different ways. And, you know, I, I think, especially if we're doing promos, Jake the Snake will be a name that I toss in there. But all right, so I'm going to give you my list. Now, your list that you just gave is pretty much where I see things when I say if I'm looking at overall and I'm not taking my feelings into it, that's yeah. pretty much at least four of those guys, if not all, would probably make my list. The only people I would throw in there as a consideration, um, and because I, I think of his long-term work, especially not the last couple of years, but The Undertaker um, is a yeah. guy I think you can um, consider. And you, you look, I told you before, Shawn Michaels is one of my guys. And so I would, I would, Consider him. I don't know if I can put him above those guys, but I would at least consider him. He drew money, and he was great in the ring. He never, to me, was a great promo guy. I don't think it's 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 a little cloudy here and there. There's some that were he good. He had his moments. He had his moments. Yeah, but there's but I mean, like consistently over the years, like like I said with Flair, like in Mid Atlantic, there were some great promos in the Mid Atlantic era. There was great promos in Crockett's era. There was great ones in WCW. There were great in WWE. Um, uh, maybe a couple in TNA, but I don't even talk about TNA. It's like Jordan <laughs> with the Wizards. I don't talk about Flair in TNA. It's like Jordan with the Wizards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't talk about that. But, I mean, to me, I don't think of Shawn Michaels as a great promo guy. I don't think of Bret Hart as a great promo guy. He's a great wrestler, technical, you know, in the ring. Right. Um, but as far as t- to me, and, and I guess that's that Dusty, you know, I hear it a lot with Dusty. If I can talk you into a seat every 14 inches, especially at a time where that was the goal, you know, there was no producer writing a script for me right. to say verbatim, you know, somebody's going to tell me I got three minutes. You have a match with this guy on this night. Go. Yeah. And I'm a run with it, you know? <laughs> Right. So, um, so Michaels is hard to put up there in there. And if you're just saying pure skill in the ring, yeah, yes. he'd be, yeah, he'd be in the mix. Yeah. He'd be there. 
But to me, can I honestly say that Shawn Michaels made a guy, made a guy's career? Can Bret Hart say, I made a guy's career? Maybe Steve Austin, maybe with the, with the, double, the double turn right. at WrestleMania 13, maybe you could say that. If that, I mean, that could be one, maybe the British Bulldog, but he didn't take advantage of it. You know, right. he, you know, gave him the belt at SummerSlam 92 in London at Wembley Stadium. But you think about the guys that Flair made that had no business making money. <laughs> Luger. None. <laughs> Luger. <laughs> That's just my opinion. I can't, I'm not a Lex Luger fan. Great but. look. Great look. But there was no business. No way he should have been in that group in 86. Exactly. No exactly. way. <laughs> if, if, if they could have go back in time, they could have made Wyndham a heel then and then start that group one year earlier. If you thought about, I mean, Wyndham had the look in 87. Now, it wasn't that physical, you know, specimen look like Luger did. Wyndham could talk. Wyndham could perform. He had that pedigree with Black Jack Mulligan being his dad. And he worked with those guys a long time. Anyway, he had that great series with Flair in Florida. And then in early 87, he worked with those guys. He, he, he had a connection with that group. So if you had put him as a heel before Luger in that group, man. Magic. It, it, could, it could have took it. It was already great, but it could have just, it could have rose, man, to the top. So I'll, I'm all right. So I'm gonna give you these five. Don't laugh at me too much. Like these are just personal okay. favorites. The guys that made me love wrestling. All right. So at number five, okay. I got Mr. Perfect. When I was a kid, I thought Mr. Perfect was the coolest thing out there. You spit the gun. I don't know. I've been doing so this just, since I was a kid. So you're just going with you're going with the perfect gimmick as opposed to the overall Kurt Henning. Yes, the, per, the perfect gimmick itself. Yeah. So I for me as a kid, and I did it. I still do it now. Spitting the gum out and trying to smack the gum. I can't tell you how many times I struck out. I can't. But I know that if I'm trying to get into the Hall of Fame of gum spitting, I'm probably batting about 267. That's probably where I'm at um, on that. But that he made me fall in love like when I was I was probably about seven or eight. And I was just like, man, it's something about Mr. Perfect. And he was cool. He had the great <laughs> promos with the, you know, he was Steve Jordan. And he throws from one end of the field to the other. I just thought that Mr. Perfect was great. Um, I had Perfect. Uh, I'm gonna throw Macho Man in there because I mean the Macho Man is the Macho Man. Nobody, I, well, there's plenty of people that can cut promos, but nobody can cut a promo quite like the way the Macho Man cut a promo. And I just love everything about him. Miss Elizabeth gave him, you know, that that extra piece on the side, and you you really didn't know, you know, in, in the beginning you didn't know what their real relationship was, and then you found out later what they you know truly were all about. Uh, the Million Dollar Man. I, I just thought, you know, I thought it was funny just watching a million dollar man, you know, treating the kids bad, the kids so you bounce the ball 15 times and he kicks it. I'm like, oh, that's just, that's the nice guy in me wanting to be evil and watching it like, that's great. Uh, and then I got Shawn Michaels. Right. Uh, and my number one guy is The Rock. Because when I was a kid, I was like, this guy just spits. Cool. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. There's not one spot for flair in that top five. That's I, what I'm um, saying. Like it's it's now you gotta understand. I I grew up right, right around the time Flair was leaving like true like he was leaving WCW to go to WWE. 
and then it was back and forth. And I caught a lot of flair when he was hurt. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't truly get a chance to appreciate flair until now. You know, like yeah, like I said, I know what he is now. If I had to put him, like like I was talking about the overall, he's the overall guy. There's, in my opinion, there's you can't go overall. But like for me, growing up and then my my guys, I was like, you know, he. I actually like late run flair a little bit too. It wasn't his best flair, but I thought he did really good work at the end of his career. That yeah, um, yeah. yeah. flair match was a really good match. I mean, it wasn't phenomenal, but it gave you like, oh man, they're really telling this story, and I loved yeah. how they told the story. So yeah, it's, so that, that's the only reason why. That's the only reason why he's not in. I, okay, all right, I, I get. That. I mean, <laughs> so I thought it, if I had a chance to explain it to you, you'd be like, okay, I understand. <laughs> you can make a claim for the Rock. I mean, the he. To, I guess to me, I mean, to me, the I won't say Rock was one-dimensional, but Rock, mm, he, he was excellent on the mic. There ain't no question about that. Excellent on the mic. He did draw money, but just the, his, 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 I guess his stick in the ring, I mean, it's just, you know, the normal. I think he oversold a little bit. Just a little bit. He did. <laughs> he yeah. but, a lot, but a lot of them did. Like, did Flair oversold a lot? Yeah, I mean, the flop. I mean, that's, I mean, but it wasn't, like, over the top. Right. Like, Rock, when he did the, when he get caught in the stunner, you know, you kind of see he's going to push off, obviously. <laughs> he goes um, there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, I don't know if I put the Rock up there. I mean, I mean, if anything, I would have put, I would put Michaels over the Rock. Just because, yeah. again, the longevity, like the rock, I mean, he was only, his his peak was probably three years. Yeah, because that was probably from what, he got, he came in in what, 96, but his really good runs were like, between, 99, like, like yeah, 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 99, 99 2000, 2000, 2001, yeah. Yeah. 2002, he, you know, he left to go, you know, when he lost to Brock, his, his peak his prime years were three. So that's what I'm saying. Like Michaels, his prime years longer. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the ability to put on, I guess I put on a great match with different styles. And that's why I love, that's why I would say Flair is the greatest of all time. You would put him in Florida against a, 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 you know, now a cruiserweight for the world title. He would put on a great match. Okay. We're going to have you go against a muscle guy. We want you to wrestle Kerry Von Eric for 60 mm-hmm. minutes in Texas. He would put on a great show. Okay, we want you to go to Greensboro. We want you to wrestle Steamboat for an hour. And then put on okay. a phenomenal match. Yeah. Then we want you to go to Florida. We want you to wrestle Dusty, you know, for 60. Then we want you to, you know, out of the block, out of the box. Okay, we want you to go out to Portland. We want you to wrestle Billy Jack Haynes. Or we want you to go to t- Kansas. You're going to wrestle Harley. All of these different styles, all of these different body types. And he had to adjust nightly, not a week. Or a month, you know, like now, like uh, Eric Bischoff will say, you know, each what was it? each pay per view was like a, a chapter in a book. You got three or four weeks to set up to the conclusion. Flair is doing this seven nights a week, every night against, like I said, different guys. And Michaels kind of did that during his run. You know, he'll wrestle Hart, he wrestled Sid, he wrestled Nash, he wrestled Vader, he wrestled the Bulldog. Um, he had some great matches with uh, that great match with Sheldon Benjamin, you know, his second go around. Um, but to me, it's like, you know, I've never had those 
to me, that five star, oh my God, I got to go back and see that match, you know, just for, like I said, the storytelling, how it starts from the beginning, goes to hills and the valleys, and then it reached that, oh, that conclusion, oh, it, it, it kind of surprised me a little bit. You want to see the match like, okay, it was a, a, a back and forth and there was some comedic stuff into it, but like, I can't think of like that one match with The Rock that says, boom, I got to go back and see that again. Just, I, I mean, feel, well, I feel like The Rock is kind of more like, he is, I would say, Vince McMahon's definition of what wrestling is now. You know, and I feel I, like if you, he's probably the best of what his definition of wrestling is now. Um, yeah. So for me, I, I can give you all of that. And, I, and like I said, he, you're right. He didn't have a long period of time, but he just had such a profound effect on me. As a, I mean, sitting there yeah. watching those promos. And, and like I said, oh, I'm, I'm, a huge, I'm a huge, I'm a huge, the promo music, you know, there's other parts of it. But that for me was just like, man, this is, this is amazing. I wanted to be the rock. I mean, obviously, I don't think it was going to happen. I tried the eyebrow a couple of times. It didn't work <laughs> out for me. But. I mean, I wanted to be him. That was that was that was my guy. But. I mean, I mean that for that for that period. I mean, nobody could touch him on the mic, no question. Um, and you talk about the you know the the music. I mean that. I mean, once you once you hear it, you knew. But to and and I guess I'm going back because my prime. You know, I was watching those. You know, all I would say, I would say from '84 on, but when I really remember the wrestling. Um, you know, when you hear Flair's music, you know off top. You know, it's 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 very subtle, but then it hits that crescendo. Mm -hmm. But it's like, boom, here we go. You know, it's it's not that loud over the top. The you know the breaking of the glass or the heartbreak kid or that you know that crescendo with Bret Hart right off the top, and mm -hmm. you knew it was coming. It's just a, it's that slow. Bill. It's that slow bill, and you know, oh, here he is. It's yeah, the that's your boy. Slow, yeah, that slow bill. It was like, wait a minute. Oh, oh, here it comes. You know, so I mean, yeah, and just and then the look with with Flair, and I think a lot of these guys now, you know, with the Rock, with his, you know, when he came out with his designer sports coats and everything like that, they kind of tailored what Flair did in the eighties. You know, different suits on each promo, and you know, dressing the part and everything like that. So I mean. That's, I mean, that's the whole overall, that, that, like I said, charisma, the ability in the ring, the ability to draw money and to bring him in to the arena and being that guy, being the guy to lead the match. That was another thing. Most of these nights, you know, being the heel, you got to lead. Yeah, you know? he, he took a beating a lot. He, the flat took a lot and, of beatings, man. He took a, he a, took lot. a lot of beatings. Yeah, but he had. But the thing was, he had to make that guy in that company in that territory stay the top guy. Right. You know, I can't come in there and beat you in five minutes because then it take. When I leave, you still got to run that. You got to still be that number one face right. in that territory. So I'm, I'm gonna take your best shot, but then at the end, you know, I'm gonna sneak to 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 win. And I think, and I think to me, that's another thing that is lost in today's wrestling. You don't have, I mean, you don't have that guy um, that's going to be like, like I said, that's going to make that guy. Right. Because everybody wants to be, everybody supposedly be, is made now. Yeah. And if you don't have that guy. It's almost like too much talent now. And, and yeah. it, it feels that way. It just feels like there's too much talent. That's what I think the WWE's biggest problem is they have too much talent. And they yeah. don't know what to do with most of the talent that they have that's good. And, and they only really have room enough for a couple of big stars. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so, I mean, maybe one day they'll get it all together, but uh, who knows. 
Now, yeah. now um, Sean, before we get off here, once again, man, I truly appreciate uh, you coming on. Uh, but I have one last question. Um, what type sure, of you this know, is the last? This is the last one. This is the last one right here. So we talk, okay. you know, Legacy Maker Sports Network. Uh, we talk about legacy. Uh, what type of legacy do you want to leave uh, in sports journalism um, at CBS Six? What type of legacy do you want to leave? What What is your goal um, in leaving a legacy? Wow. Um, I want to. I want to. I guess my legacy would be that I always want people to feel that they can trust me. They can work with me. I always want to be that guy where I am flexible. I can work with anybody. You know, we may not get along, you know, we may have some differences, but I want, you know, people to think of me as that guy that I know I can work with and I know we're going to get the job done. You know, it might it might it, it might be some bumps along the way getting to the red light. But once the red light is on, you know, the the teamwork is 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 outstanding so i think that's i want my legacy to be i want my legacy to be sean was a guy that he could be dependable he could be counted on um he could be flexible he could work with just about anybody um he took pride in his craft and he was willing to go above and beyond um the call of duty to get the job done whether it took an hour, you know, or two after I needed to do, you know, needed to, to finish the job, I was not going to finish. I wasn't going to rest until the job was complete. All right, man. That's that's quite the legacy to leave. Everybody, I want to thank everybody who watched and tuned in uh, for this uh, interview with one of the, the best guys around here uh, in the Richmond area. And just in general, uh, Mr. Sean Robertson, of uh cbs6 uh news here in richmond virginia sean if you would like to leave anything any uh your twitter handle any of that stuff for everybody uh please do so sure um twitter handle is at cbs6 sports sean all were all one the six the number six um if you wanted to uh, hit me up on facebook i have a work page um sean robertson at wtvr cbs6 and instagram is skr1125 i think that was the right one. But yeah, <laughs> I gotta remember. I don't use Instagram as much as I do as I should, I guess. Uh -huh. um, I'm I'm normally Twitter and Facebook, but yeah, normally hit me up on Twitter. You got some questions about a list, uh wrestling list, feel free. <laughs> uh, you got some journalism questions, feel free to, to do that. Um but yeah, CBS at uh, at CBS six sports Sean. Well Sean, like I said, I truly appreciate it, man, because you've always been kind to me. And, uh, you know, I've known you for a couple of years now, but you've always been kind to me and everybody on my team. So we truly appreciate, uh, you know, for always being kind and always uh, having, you know, lending, a, you know, giving us some advice and all that stuff. We truly appreciate it. My pleasure. See, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting old because now I'm thinking I was where you are where I was when I was at Virginia State. You know, you want to you want to build. You're trying to build that legacy. You're trying to build your brand slowly but surely. You're trying to get your name out there. And that's what people have to do. Um, take heed with what uh, Daryl is doing with Legacy. Was it Legacy Sports? Because I see Legacy. Legacy Maker. Legacy um, maker. <laughs> uh, um, if, if, you know, if, if there's not a way to get your foot in the door, you build your own house. 
you build your own building. And that's what Daryl is doing. He's building his company from within. He's getting guys that's from schools and giving them opportunities that maybe were not given to them at other places. And they're building something now with Legacy Makeup. I mean, uh, you're going to all of these games. Uh, you're going to UVA. You're going to VCU. He's uh, Last year, was it the year before, was doing women's basketball games with Richmond? Yeah. Yeah, we did uh, a couple with Richmond. So yeah, we we've been we've been growing that we've been trying, but like I said, great people like yourself um that have always, you know, been able to, you know, give us the advice that we need to keep growing and you know, we truly appreciate that. My pleasure, man. Keep it up. All right, everybody. That's Sean Robinson, Channel Six, CBS here in Richmond. Make sure y'all check him out. Thank y'all. I'm Darrell Lawrence, Legacy Maker Sports Network. Until next time. One, 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 one. Welcome to the one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to the one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to one on one at Legacy Maker Sports Network.